Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Genesis chapter 25. Verse 20. And Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah to wife, the daughter of Bethuel, the Syrian of Padamaram, the sister of Laban, the Syrian. Verse 21. And Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord was entreated of him, and Rebekah his wife conceived. And the children struggled together within her, and she said, If it be so, why am I thus? And she went to inquire of the Lord. So she had twins, and they were constantly fighting in the womb. Verse 23, And the Lord said unto her, Two nations are in thy womb. And two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. And the one people shall be stronger than the other people. And the elder shall serve the younger. And when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. And the first came out red all over like an hairy garment. And they called his name Esau. And after that came his brother out, and his hand took hold of Esau's heel. His hand took hold of Esau's heel, and his name was called Jacob. And Isaac was threescore years old when she bare them. All right, now turn with me just a few chapters over to chapter 32. I'm about there. I'm laying the groundwork. Chapter 32, verse 26. Now we go fast forward in the life of Jacob as he is wrestling with the angel of the Lord, whom we believe and understand to be Christ pre-incarnate, wrestling with Jesus. In verse number 26, uh, the Lord speaking to Jacob as he was wrestling with him said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, Jacob said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. Today my message is going to be entitled, Holding On to the Heels of God. Thank you, and you can be seated in the presence of the Lord. Holding on to the heels of God. It's interesting that Jacob, from his very birth, was striving to get ahead. They named him Jacob, which meant supplanter. If you, uh, if you look up that phrase, supplanter, uh, it means a heel catcher, or a supplanter, or it means to trip up the heels. Uh, it means to remove or displace by strategy how many of you know the devil comes into your life sometimes to trip you up to try to gain an advantage over you amen how many of you know that in the corporate world it's a vicious world and people will trip you up to get ahead of you right people will do all kinds of things how many of you know you don't have to go to the corporate world sometimes it happens even in our churches where it's not supposed to happen right where people are always tripping you up how many of you don't raise your hand have been guilty of playing unfairly and trying to chip others up so that you 
could be the one to get ahead. And so they named him Jacob often in the Bible. If you study the pattern of way, the way people were named and how their lives ended up, their lives were a striking resemblance of the meaning of their name. It was as if their name was a prophetic declaration of who they were and they lived under that identity for the rest of their lives. And I just want to say this is a footnote. This is not my message, but be careful what you speak over your children and your grandchildren. For they will live with those words the rest of their lives. And many times it becomes prophetic whether it was inspirational by God or not. Because what they do is they identify themselves with. That is they attach themselves to what they have been called. And they make certain assumptions about well this must be the way I am. That's what they've always called me. And there are people today that, that are living beneath their potential, not because they're not capable of doing better, but because they were told that they never would succeed and they have believed the lie. And so Jacob was called a supplanter from birth because he was grabbing a hold of the heel of his brother wanting to come out first. And so what happened? You read and study the life of Jacob there were many things that he was doing to trip his brother up. He stole his birthright, for example. He stole his blessing. You remember the story. He lived out the identity of what he was called. That's why it's important in the Bible to understand what a blessing is. A blessing is more than words. Because words have life. And power. The Bible says that life and death are in the power of the tongue. I, I want to encourage you to speak over your children and grandchildren what you want them to become and not who you see that they are right now in their early stages of development. If you constantly call them a failure, if you constantly call them a mistake, if you're constantly berating them and, 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 and breaking them down and they never get any encouragement, they never get any praise, they never get any acknowledgement of what is done right, eventually they will become who, who you have always called them. They will become the ultimate epic failure in life. And this is not even my message, but the Holy Ghost said stop right here and park right there a minute. And I say, yes, sir, Lord, I'll do that. You need to understand the power of your words. You say, well, we're not prophets. No, you're not prophets, but your words have prophetic power behind them because you speak from conviction when you say what rolls off of your tongue. Most people don't say what they don't believe. Sometimes they do when they're lying, and that's an exception. But most of the part, Jesus said, you will know that, you know, that you'll be judged by what comes off of your mouth because what comes off your mouth is what's hidden in your heart many of you tell on yourself many many times the reason children suffer at the uh at the uh the curse i would say of their parents is because their parents never had any value put in them and they don't know how to pass a blessing on because they never received one. Somebody needs to learn how to break that curse in your life. And it don't matter what your parents said to you. You need to start realizing what God has spoken over you and live under the new identity that Christ gives you and understand that you are more than a conqueror through him that loved you. Yep. 
And that because you're more than a conqueror, you have the ability to do and be everything God calls you to do and be. And the devil is a liar to continually tell you that you might as well just hang, hang up the hat and throw in the towel. Amen. Amen. You need to believe the book and what happened to Jacob. Well, we fast forward where he's wrestling with the Lord, and you see some similarities here uh, between his birth and that night he wrestled with God. A couple of striking similarities uh, that you'll see, and I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but let me just go ahead and do this. At birth, he, uh, he was given a name by his behavior, by his appetite, by his hunger but this was an earthly name given by his mother but then the night that he wrestled with the lord he was still struggling he was still grabbing a hold what do you think he was holding on to i think he was holding on to the heels of god just as he was at birth where else would he be holding on to god if he's trying to leave him i think god was just seeing how hungry jacob would be would he easily let go or would he hold on until he got his blessing but I see here a, a renaming, a new identity. Thou shalt be no more called Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince, thou hast power with God and with man and hast prevailed. And we see then that God renamed Jacob because he had an appetite for God. And many of you just need to be hungry enough to believe what God spoke over you and follow it. And quit giving in to the lie that you'll never succeed or you'll never be anything important. And the devil's lied to you and made you think that, uh, that you're worthless, hopeless, and helpless. And, and you live in gloom and despair constantly. And you just constantly uh, berating yourself. And, and you live under, you're living under an old identity when Christ has made you a new creature. And now it's up to you to decide whether or not you're going to live up to what God has called you to. Powerful stuff. But what does it look like to hold on to the heels of God? Number one, I want you to look at Jacob's petition. He said, literally in verse 26 of chapter 32, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. It's the only time that I am aware of recorded in Scripture where you can find a man who directly disobeyed a command of the Lord and was blessed as a result of it. Because God specifically instructed him to let him go. And he said, I will not let thee go. I didn't think you were supposed to do that. I thought you were supposed to do whatever God said to do. But it was a test. It was a test. God wanted Jacob to illustrate his faith. And Jacob was tired of his old self. He was tired of procuring, tripping people up, and gaining advantage through bad character. And some of you think that you're ahead in life, but you have, you have built your you've built your, climbed the ladder of success, stepping on top of other people, and you can't even sleep with yourself at night over the things you've done. And you've got to get tired at some point of doing it your way. You've got to get tired of it. At some point, you've got to realize that really the only real and lasting blessing comes God's way and not mine. And uh, so you're going to have to look at his petition. His petition was so strong that he told the Lord, uh, he told the Lord what he wanted, and he said, I'm not going to let this go 
until you bless me. I wonder how many of you have laid a hold of the horns of the altar and began to seek the Lord for things that you need to move in your life. Maybe, uh, uh, maybe uh, it's, it's personal problems. Maybe it's character issues. Maybe it's a personal struggle in your life. Maybe it's an addiction or a behavior that you just can't seem to shake. Uh, how, how long have you been willing to pray over that matter and insist that God help you overcome it? Or have you given up on the notion that you can get victory to hold on to the heels of God until a breakthrough is to refuse to let go you need to see something here about God God is moved by your faith God uh, God goes to work on behalf of those who expect him to move on their behalf and the Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to please him. If you want to get the victory, put all of your faith and trust and throw all of your weight into the power of God and expect him to do it for you. Amen. And things will begin to happen in your life. So you see, he had a tenacious petition. It wasn't a weak, anemic whisper of a prayer. This was a grab a hold of the heels of God as he's trying to get away from me, telling me to let him go. And I'm saying, God, uh, I'm not going anywhere till I get what I come for. And God respected it because it was birthed out of a heart of faith. This is interesting to me. So we see his petition, but let me go on. Secondly, I want you to notice his posture he his hand in chapter 25 took a hold of Esau's heel I believe that his hand uh, that's chapter 25 verse 26 and then chapter 32 verse 26 I be, uh, 26 I believe his hand took a hold of the heel of God and 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 notice that if you take a hold of someone's heels uh, what where is that that's that's his feet a lot could be said about spending time at the feet of the Lord some of you look at this as strictly a wrestling match between Jacob and God. But may I submit to you this thought? It was more than a wrestling match. It was an act of worship. Not all worship uh, requires a posture of laying prostrate. It's not the physical posture of your body. It's the posture of your heart. And, and I, I want you to think about what Jacob was doing when he put the kind of faith in God that required a break, uh, that demanded a breakthrough from God and that produced a breakthrough from God, do you know what the purest form of faith is? The purest form of faith is worshiping God. Because you're saying to God, no matter what, I love you and I trust you. And you worship him in spirit and in truth. And worship is more than just a religious ceremony or rut or routine. Worship is a lifestyle. It's not just the posture of your body, but it, it, it shows up in your actions. It shows up in your attitude. It shows up in your activity and what you're willing to, to invest your life in for the sake of God, for the cause of Christ and for, for God's will in your life. I believe that uh, here that uh, Jacob was at the feet of the Lord and I believe that he was worshiping and I believe that worship speaks more of passion uh, for God than it does the posture of the physical body. Although the posture does help. Amen. Amen. 
It helps to know where you need to spend your time with God. I like what one preacher said. He said he goes into prayer and says, Lord, I ask that you'd help me to speak to you as a man because I can't speak to you on your level. I'm too ignorant to speak to you in your language. So I pray you'd just help me to speak to you as a man and understand me because sometimes I don't even understand myself. And that's humbling yourself and placing yourself at the feet of God. Amen. Worshiping Him. That is, that is acknowledging who He is. And not only acknowledging it, but giving Him your all. Everybody can show up for a Sunday morning church service. And we call it a worship service. But how many of us carry that worship on the way we live behind, uh, when we go out them doors? If God were to... If God were to evaluate your lifestyle and your activity throughout the week, would he deduce that you are a worshiper? That's a good question. Many of us have convinced ourselves, oh, I worship God every Sunday morning. But God, God is looking for those who are so passionate for him that they, they eat Jesus, they sleep Jesus, they breathe Jesus, they drink Jesus, they think Jesus, they, they sing Jesus, they, they, they can't get them out of their heart, they can't get them out of their mind, they can't get them out of their feet, they can't get them out of their hands because they are true worshipers. And the Bible says God is seeking such that worship Him in spirit and in truth. It's more than just a Sunday morning routine. It's a daily lifestyle saying, God, I am yours and you are mine, and so I am going to hold on to the heels of God, and I'm not going to let go until I get the blessing that you so richly paid for me on the cross of Calvary. Amen. He who spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? I believe one of the greatest insults to God Almighty and the Lord Jesus Christ and the blood that He shed for us is that we don't even come close to tapping in what His blood paid for and provided for us. We live so beneath the power and the blessing and the anointing that the blood made provisions for that it's pitiful. And I believe if we'd spend enough adequate time at the feet of Jesus that we'd fall head over heels in love with him again and he could once again have our undivided attention and our undivided allegiance and our undivided actions, amen. It's time that the living church of Jesus Christ stand up and be bold for him again and live a lifestyle of worship day in and day out. Oh, that God would help us uh, to hold on to the horns of the altar and to hold on to the heels of God. This speaks of our petitioning, but it speaks of our posture. Where are we willing to spend our time? It is at the feet of Jesus that we learn to worship and we get our breakthroughs. And then thirdly, we notice in verses 28 through 29 of chapter 32, the Bible says, and he blessed him there. After Jacob said that he wasn't going to let go, the Bible said he blessed him. And so this speaks thirdly of his profitable persistence. <laughs> he was persistent. Did not Jesus teach us to, uh, to pray with persistence? You remember he told the story of 
the widow lady that had been done unjustly. She went to the judge over and over and over again and harassed him until he finally helped her just to get her off his back. And then Jesus said, this is how I want you to pray. Some of you talk to the Lord one time and then throw a pity party if you don't answer when and how you asked. And never ask him again. Has it ever occurred to you that you might have started working on your prayer but you dropped it? And because you don't have an attitude of gratitude and faith believing that he's working on it, maybe you delayed your answer prayer because you dropped your faith. It is quite a possibility. It is quite a possibility. We got to be persistent. Just like Jesus taught us to be. The Bible teaches us to hope to the end. Hope to the end. Under no circumstances are we permitted to doubt. Amen. The Bible says that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And if you come to the Lord double-minded, let not that man think that he receives anything of the Lord. You believe him one minute, you doubt him the next. I do the same thing. God help us to so worship him. I believe if we spend enough time at his feet, we'll be so convinced of his power, so convinced of his glory, so convinced of his majesty, so convinced of his, not only his ability, but his willingness and his desire to help us uh, that our, our doubt will be eradicated in his presence. Right. True worshipers get from God what they need because in the presence of God is fullness of joy and it dissipates doubt. Doubt cannot live in the presence of God. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. What does spending time at the feet of Jesus look like? It might look like a, you spend an adequate time in this word and seeking and hungering and thirsting after righteousness and saying, Oh God, as I read your word today, speak to me through your word and help me obey. Amen. Uh, and you pick this thing up every tense you get. Uh, and God forgive us for the times uh, that we neglect your word, uh, that we neglect your presence, uh, that we neglect spending time at your feet and worshiping you because it's only when we spend time with you that we are reminded of how awesome you are that's why jesus said when you pray the first thing first matter of business is say our father which art in heaven hallowed be thy name in other words don't you dare enter into the throne room of god without giving him the glory that's due his name that's item number one before you ask for a single thing you better get your thinking up you better start uh, you better start magnifying the lord that is making him bigger in your thoughts than what he was previously because we get so down in our thinking and we get to thinking looking at how big our problems are and how big our giants are and we get to being afraid maybe god doesn't care about this uh, and we're even afraid to ask God to help us with things sometimes because we're overwhelmed by how massive our giants are but if you ever get a glimpse uh, of him in all of his glory and all of his splendor you'll begin to uh, realize uh, that there's absolutely nothing impossible for God Almighty Hallelujah. that's the kind of faith that he wants us to develop as we live out our worship and our praise to him I'm preaching about holding on to the heels of God it's a good posture to be in, to spend time at his feet, for none of us are worthy uh, to live under his crown. Amen. I, I can't wear his crown, but I can worship at his feet. <laughs> oh, he's the king. Amen. He's the one uh, worthy of all of our adoration and our praise. So we see there's a profitable persistence. That is, uh, when you hold on to the heels of God uh, in true worship and praise and faith in his name, 
he responds with a blessing. And let me tell you something about God's blessing. God's blessing is prophetic. God's blessing is powerful. And when God speaks something over you, the Bible says he speaks of things that are not as though they were. You may not be holy today, but he can go ahead and call you holy. And then when God speaks in faith to his own word, he sets his word above his own name. If, if you're getting fed, let me see your hand. All right, y'all pay attention. <laughs> Listen to me. Whenever God speaks his word, he has faith in no other, so he fa puts faith in himself. He said there, I looked around uh, to, to, to who I could swear by. There was no greater, so I swore by my own name. Amen. He said his word above his own name. God has faith in his own word because he knows that he can't lie. God knows that about himself. Do we know that about him? You say, well, I know God can't lie. Well, do you? How come you doubt him then? When you worship at his feet and you begin to see who he is, your thinking's elevated, your faith is elevated, your level of expectation is elevated so much to the point that it'll annoy others around you. And the doubters will try to talk you out of believing God for the impossible. And they'll rationalize their doubt away. Amen? But God's looking for somebody that'll hold on to his heels. Spend time at his feet and watch him do the impossible. I don't know who this is for, but it's for somebody. Maybe you've been praying over something and God's dialed your number today and said, hold on. Don't give up, mama. Don't give up on that wayward child. You keep praying. You keep serving. You keep blessing God. Maybe your husband is messed up, out in sin, unfaithful, living wild. And you don't want to divorce him. You're praying God will get a hold of him. Hold on to the heels of God. I'm telling you, amen, uh, 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 believe God for the impossible. If I, if, I, if I don't do anything else as a minister of the gospel, I want to provoke you to trust in the living God. Because I know that his word never fails and I know that he can never disappoint you. I will disappoint you. Others will disappoint you. But if I point you to the perfect one, he'll never disappoint you. If I point you to the perfect book, it'll never disappoint you. I see another pattern in the, book, uh, the New Testament. I'm going to bring this to a close. Matthew chapter 15. Let me show you the same pattern. There was a petition, there was a, a posture, and then there was a persistence. Same pattern in the New Testament. Matthew chapter 15, verse 21. Watch your Bibles. Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. That's Matthew chapter 15, verse 21. Now look at verse 22. Behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast. Remember, she is a Gentile. She is not a Jew. She cried unto Jesus, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. There's her petition right there. 
Verse 23, But Jesus answered her not a word, and his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. And I love this, because this illustrates the kind of person maybe you've talked to God, and you don't feel like you're getting an answer from him. So you don't just stop right there. You go and round you up some prayer warriors and say, Why don't you talk to him for me? Amen. And there's biblical precedence for that, to get some other people praying with you when you don't feel like your prayer is strong enough. Amen. I, oh, thank God for the example that he gives us in his word. Verse 24, but he answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. This was not the point in his ministry at which he was to, supposed to turn to the Gentiles yet. Because the, the, the scriptures must be fulfilled that he went into his own and his own received him not. And so Jesus is in the process of being rejected of his own that's why his focus right now in this part of his earthly ministry is not to the gentiles but to the jews is to fulfill the scriptures but watch what happens then came she what does the bible say next worshiped him where do you reckon she's spending her time at his feet no doubt i have no doubt i know that don't say that necessarily i have no doubt but what she was humble and low there's her posture. Amen. But he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. See, that's another reason I know she's low. She's on the ground. Amen. <laughs> Licking up the crumbs. Glory to God. Verse 27. She said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. She had such faith in God. She wasn't asking for everything that everybody else got from God. She was saying, if I could even just get a crumb from you, it'll be good enough. Oh, Lord. And some of you, that's where you are this morning. Maybe you don't think God will move every mountain. Maybe God, uh, you don't think God will uh, help you with every trial. Uh, but are you hungry enough to hang around his feet and grab up what crumbs you can get? Amen. Uh, and just be happy to be numbered amongst a few. Amen. Uh, I don't know about you, but I'm just glad that my name's written in the Lamb's book of life. Uh, I may not get everything I've asked for. I may not get everything that everybody else gets. Uh, oh, but if there's a few crumbs, give them to me because they taste real good. Amen. Mmm. <laughs> and, and she just would not go away. <laughs> So we see her petition, we see her posture, and now we see her persistence. And watch what happens, verse 28. Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. She was, she was, she was turned down by Jesus how many times? In our, in our text here, let's count them. Verse 22, she asked for prayer. Verse 23, he said, no. Amen. And uh, verse 24, he said no uh, indirectly to his disciples. That's the second one. Verse 25, uh, she came worship the third time. Uh, he said, no, it is not meet to, to take the children. So that's three times, either directly or indirectly, she's done told her no. But what changed? She worshipped him. <laughs> she, she, her posture of her heart, her posture of her body was just illustrating the posture of her heart. 
And, and yes, I'm on the floor again. Somebody made a joke to that preacher sure doesn't get on the floor a lot when he preaches. <laughs> Amen. Here I am again. She got in the right posture of heart and began to worship him with the purest form of faith known to God or man. Complete and total trust and expectation that was irresistible to God Almighty. Do you have the kind of faith that is irresistible to God? That's the kind of faith that he enjoys. That's the kind of faith he's looking for. That's the kind of faith he'll reach over the wall and break into the, uh, uh, into the era of grace when it's not even time to break away from the Jews yet and start focusing on the Gentiles. Uh, he started ministering to the Gentiles before it was time because her faith breached the wall. Amen. Uh, and I'm telling you that God can do a breakthrough in your life if you learn how to worship him right. Amen. I'm talking about holding on to the heels of God. I know that serving God comes with its trials and tribulations, and I know that there'll be many tests, many troubles. There'll be many things that we go through that we'll not understand. There'll be many a conflict that will not be resolved before we breathe our last breath. But there needs to be one constant in our lives that will enable us to survive and thrive in spite of all the difficulties, and that's the constancy of spending worshipful time at the feet of our Lord. And when we worship Him, things happen through worship that happen no other way. You can't pray it in. You can't preach it in. You can't, you can't act it in. You can't perform it in. But you can worship it in. Amen. Because God hears that song. God hears that prayer. God sees that faith. He said, boy, mm, that's a sweet smelling savor. I, let, me, let me get a little closer and see what's going on down here. Amen. And, and all of a sudden, he's getting up in your business. And all of a sudden, he's flexing his holy arm. And all of a sudden, he's fighting the battle that you can't fight. Amen. All because you was willing to be a worshiper in spirit and in truth. My, my, my. Aren't you glad for a God in heaven who knows how to respond? Now, I don't know about you, but I'm going to have to learn how to spend more time, more quality time at His feet. Amen. And not just, uh, not just literally and physically in prayer time, uh, but the way I live my life. I, I want whenever I speak to people during the week, when I interact with people, it, whether it be business or whether it be pleasure or, or, or whether it be uh, church related or not, uh, I want the Lord to see the thoughts of my heart and the intents of my heart and Say, now that's some worship right there. He's living like he worships me. He's living like he loves me. He's living like, a, like my word says, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Amen. Uh, what does the Bible say in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6? Somebody tell me. There you go. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not to thy own understanding. In all thy ways, acknowledge him. And he shall direct thy path. And that's what God sees, hears, and responds to. Everybody standing to your feet, every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to ask you to respond to the voice of the Spirit in your life today. There's more I could talk about, but I, I got to park. I'll say this. <laughs> Woo! Listen. When you're at Jesus' feet, you'll see the price he paid because you'll see his nail scars and you'll see his bruised heels. But you'll also see his prominent position of authority, as you'll notice. 
that Satan's head is crushed beneath his feet. So if we were to study what happens and what moves and what improves when people spend adequate time at Jesus' feet, we'd do a whole lot more of it, not only in our prayer time, but in our living. Hold on to the heels of God.